You're listening to Construction Cashflow, examining the human side of construction cashflow and business culture. You know, my deepest impact is helping people build community or be a citizen of a community. How do you keep to your core values and your beliefs, but at the same time manage to innovate into a world where your skills are still desired? That's why I'm, I'm really keen to have this interview now, because there are so many people that are potentially going into fear in the middle of it, coming out of it. And um, if I can pass any, any thoughts on how we recovered. In this episode, it's a real pleasure to introduce you to Penny Power OBE. Penny founded the Academy long before Facebook and LinkedIn were ever thought of. Penny is a renowned speaker, an expert on business and business community. Penny is also the author of Business is Personal and more recently, the BIP 100 Club. It's a community for business experts. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to Penny Power OBE. Hi Penny. Hello Stu, lovely to see you. And you, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. It's a real pleasure to have you on uh, today. And I'm sure the listeners will really want to know your story, um, where you got to, to where you are now, and the ups and downs, the hardships, the triumphs and that you've been through. And I know you've written a book and you, you know you, you, you were the first to you develop the Academy and lots of successes. But <laughs> let's hear it from you. What, what's, your, what's your story, how you, how you got to where you are now and what you see wow. for the future? Wow. So um, anybody that's listening to this, I'll put your mind at rest that I won't just rattle on because that's quite a I'm sure we'll we'll have a a good conversation about this. Um, I'm really thrilled to be on this podcast, getting to know you, Stu, and seeing how open you are and how realistic you are about life. And the intention of this podcast is just absolutely fantastic. So I really am thrilled to be here. I, I get asked to be on quite a number of podcasts. It's very lovely when the podcast resonates with what my values are and I'm um, as people will find out I'm very open Um, and so a little bit about me Um, so I'm 58 I am um, nearly 59 actually I'm actually a leap year baby born on the 29th of February uh, 64 and three children three adult children all got their own businesses now and happily married for 32 years Um, and joined the IT sector when I was 19 in 83 and really didn't expect to be in business, but I was just filling in a gap year before going to university to do psychology. And I stayed because the tech industry in 83, anybody is around our age and will remember it was a real boom time when um, everything was going from mainframe and terminals onto the desktop and the explosion of software. And, um, and then um, in 1998, so um, was I then nearly 34, um, I came up with this idea of wouldn't it be amazing if the internet served us in more ways than just e-commerce and e-procurement. And at the time, this was before even Friends Reunited, which some people will remember, and four years before LinkedIn, six years before Facebook. Um, coming from a place of where family values are really important to me and the ability for people to connect deeply and make one another feel significant in life. Um, I felt that the internet was going to really, although it would connect us, it would possibly emotionally disconnect us. Um, And I was right. (laughs) Um, Not wanting to be smug about that. I I didn't realise how right I was being. But I really thought, wouldn't it be lovely if we could create a community, not a network, a community of business owners across the world Um, to help them become really strong friends with one another. And my husband, who is the ultimate connector, Thomas Power, um, loved the idea. He rocketed it. 
Um, I was at home with three children under four and a half at the time. So I was able to do a huge amount of the um, ambassadorial stuff, um, building the community uh, and serving the community while Thomas went around the world really growing it. And we grew it over 14 years into a phenomenal place, absolutely beautiful, um, where we had 5,000 offline events a year, but the culture was definitely warm and loving. And on the, 5th of Feb the 7th of February every year, there's often a post by different members remembering the launch of Academy on that date and really saying that that really set them on a course to understanding the real promise of the internet and what it could be. Um, where I am now, when I was explained that in 2012, after 14 years, it came to an end, came to a really, really painful end for Thomas and I. At one point, we were the business was valued at 60 million. Um, was hardly trading at any great level, but it was valued. And we were just about to go on the stock market when the, the, the crash happened in 2000. And we kept growing the business organically without a major investment. But LinkedIn and Facebook became a huge challenge to us, not just because of the huge squillions of money that they had invested that enabled them to keep their code really squeaky and exciting and innovative. Um, it was just very hard because everything became free at that point. We didn't believe in free. We believed in people properly authenticating who they are through their credit cards. So we only charged $10 or £10 or €10. Euros. We didn't have advertising on the site. Um, but the world really was starting to go across to broadcast, social media, um, and it was starting to disconnect. And the effort of being a friend to somebody else started to become irrelevant to a lot of people. And um, it just became untenable for us to keep the culture and the belief systems that we had um, going to a point where we could maintain the business in the way that we believed in. Um, so we went from that huge valuation to being actually really quite financially destitute and, um, you know, moving out of our home. We did volunteer to move out of the home, but uh, into rental, um, make sure that we liquidise some of the money from the house so that we can maintain some of the standards that we wanted in our home life for our kids and the education that they were in. And since 2012, so what's that, just over two, 10 years, we've been rebuilding um, our lives. And um, that's why I'm, I'm really keen to have this interview now, because there are so many people that are potentially going into fear in the middle of it, coming out of it and um, if I can pass any any thoughts on how we recovered and um, how I can absolutely say I'm happier today than I was at any point during um, when Academy was um, big because now we've created a business that's much more suits our personality and our the intimacy that we want with people rather than a machine. Do you think that's a key Penny to to follow your path and to be brave enough to follow it it's quite easy to I suppose if you've been part of a large organization like Academy and then you change course and you've done it on value and principle uh, principles um, you know the the fear is it's easy to go back to where you were or to stay where you are I can't say that we were courageous at the time because it was a forced situation if we could have avoided it I think we'd have done anything we could because you sort of feel like that is the only way of having oxygen and you cling on for dear life to the point um, you, where you realise you should have surrendered much earlier. But as anybody will know, actually seeing the lighting, seeing the writing, I should say, on the wall and actually believing it are two different things. So it would take courage. I would. It would take a lot of courage to bring a business to a close before it became a disaster. That would be courageous. Um, so I don't think we were particularly courageous. It became, you know, th th there was there was an absolute full stop for us in the end. Um, that that was actually in chapter two of my book. I call it being broken, and it's the whole journey. It's almost like a historical look at the internet as well, because it's quite interesting to see what we, you know, the difference between 1998 and 2012 in internet terms and in social networking, social media terms. Is really profound i mean in 98 we were teaching people what a blog was and we were teaching people how to set up a profile and 
you know, now it's second nature us all to know that whenever we join any network, we know to create a profile. And, you know, these things weren't second nature then. In 2012, when it came to an end, I think the greatest um, challenge for us was well, what is our identity now? Because our identity was so connected to this global business called Academy. Um, yet we couldn't lick our wounds. We had to survive financially with three kids, various stages of their lives that required us to be strong and keep a roof over their head and keep them in their education and universities or whatever, wherever, whatever stage they were at. We very much had that scarcity mindset, not an abundant one. We were you know, grabbing hold of whatever we could. I was very fortunate that I had actually come up with an idea, having written the Digital Business Britain Manifesto with um, um, the business minister at the time. was uh, the, the, Well, the overall minister was Vince Cable, but the business minister was Mark Prisk, and I wrote the Digital Business Britain Manifesto. And in it was really talking about the skills gap. And it was really apparent that there was a digital skills gap, but you had these born digital youths coming through who all had social context around how to use youtube and facebook and instagram but they didn't have any commercial awareness so they they there was this this big gap and in 2012 was when you know there was the tottenham riots there was a lot of very unhappy kids um and i looked at the apprenticeship model and thought well this is fantastic because it's vocational kids can come out of education in the traditional sense and start um applying themselves to what their skill is rather than what the way that they've necessarily been educated and so we gave birth to a digital apprenticeship a marketing one digital marketing apprenticeship which didn't exist and we trailblazed that and i got investors and started a company called digital youth academy but it meant learning a whole new industry learning education and learning how it's funded and learning further education colleges but i was really beautifully welcomed into it by some people and I think what I learned from that was that no matter what happens in your life, if you've maintained your own reputation and your brand and you have created goodwill, your social capital, as opposed to your financial capital, will help you. And it will help you through some of the toughest times. And that's what I really experienced when I moved into this education sector. There's some beautiful people in it running uh, particularly in further education, because they're sort of squeezed between traditional schools and higher education, the universities. They're sort of seen as the poor relation, yet they are such an important bridge and they're run by amazing people. So, um, yeah, I spent four years building um, that brand and that business until I got that through to an exit. But again, it wasn't an exit that was particularly financially successful. Um, but it, you know, it got me on the way. But I suppose the message in there is how do you keep to your core values and your beliefs, but at the same time manage to innovate into a world where your skills are still desired? Um, and it has been a, a very interesting 10, 11 year journey, actually, in, in that. It's interesting what you say about the social capital and the identification, you know, because mm. many of us and even myself included, we identify ourselves with our job or our business. What do you do? I'm a professional yeah. this or a professional that. And one thing I'm discovering is that, like you say, if you if you can build, do we do we build? How do we identify with who we are rather than, you know, identifying with our job or our profession and particularly coming up to retirement age you know we may not be doing the same profession anymore maybe we're you know we have retired from that profession um you know then we ask the question well, who are we now you know do, do you know i mean do you have any suggestions to people that uh maybe approaching that that age that you know they can how they can start to really search for that truth around who they are rather than identify with what they've done all their life i mean yeah. i found myself thinking uh you know what um you know what am i identified what's my what's my you know has my programming for most of my professional career um you know my identification of myself actually been not true to who i really am you know, for and yes. and to, and I think one of the most difficult things for me is to to come to a realization, admit that, my God, I could have been wrong for 
all of those years, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and well, now, look, now I'm finding my legs. Yeah, I'm uh, finding yeah. my voice, you know. But that is just an absolute gift in life when you, whether it's forced on you or you take this moment to have a bit of a gap where you, you jump off the conveyor belt, whatever you've been on. And for me, that was actually in 2018 because I identified myself not only by academy, but I identified myself as being a successful entrepreneur. I'm a bit of a purist about the term entrepreneur because to me, an entrepreneur is very different to a small business owner. OK, and I know a lot of small business owners will call themselves an entrepreneur. That's completely a personal decision. So but for me personally, identifying myself as an entrepreneur, which I was within Academy and Digital Youth Academy, very different to actually how I wanted to live my life. So those two businesses were about building scalable businesses for exit, were about innovating completely new ideas, um, were about really trailblazing and evangelizing a subject and being a voice, voice for that subject. Both of them, I came from ground zero. So with Academy, nobody knew what social networking was in 1998. And with um, Digital Youth Academy, no businesses realized they could hire a digital apprentice. They knew they could hire an apprentice in digital, in uh, computing or in marketing, but they didn't realize there was somebody had created a bridge. Those are really um, entrepreneurial decisions. The other decision part about being an entrepreneur is that you are deferring the gain. So you, it's all risk when you're an entrepreneur building a business that's scaling. And um, I think that was a place that I got to in 2018 where I realized I am risk adverse. I have always been risk adverse. I don't want to be that person anymore. And I haven't got enough time left in my life, I felt, to be that person, to recover from another another failure or another whatever, <laughs> whatever you would call it. And, um, and so in 2018, I sort of stepped away from that and moved into how do I just make an income as opposed to how do I make an asset? And that was a really interesting shift for me. And that's when I was very proud to be a small business owner and not necessarily do anything that's reinventing anything or inventing anything new. I just thought, you know, what are my qualities and what is my experience that I can bring to people that I want to do work with? And that filter was really important to me. Who do I want to surround myself with that makes me feel significant? It's very easy in this world to feel very insignificant, to feel small. And a lot of people join the social media world and they get into the whole comparison and they start building business models and they start broadcasting themselves and getting themselves into a very stressful mindset um, because they're trying to build something that's beyond their own desires really and particularly possibly their capabilities but they just think that big is beautiful mm. and I've experienced big and it wasn't beautiful um, not for me it was for our members and I'm very proud of what we achieved but it for Thomas and I there was never a day when we had the income we needed building this huge business. Um, so when I became more income focused and thought about, well, what do we truly need? And that also was about really reevaluating what your own personal financial ambitions are. You know, how many of us have the, the, the amazing car, the amazing house, more because of an identity than the actual needs that we have? Um, and those were the things that, you know, we had had. And did it bring us huge happiness, really, to have those things? And so in 2018, I stepped into a very different mindset around my life and what was needed to make me a happy person. And the strap line to my book that I wrote that year was um, be the leader of your life and business. And it actually started with me going to see a psychologist because not only we had a lot of financial trauma, we also had some family traumas that were really significant. Um, premature deaths of my brother, my niece, um, my mum had dementia. My daughter went through a, a terrible trauma um, where she was abducted by three men. Um, and there was so much trauma going on in our life, as well as financial trauma, 
by 2018, I, I, I didn't have a burnout experience, not an obvious one, but I definitely knew I wasn't as happy as I could be. Um, and so that opportunity to reevaluate my life and talk it through with a psychologist is what I've actually included in my book, because I felt like there should be five million people in the room with me who were all struggling business owners to to really give us an idea of what are our character traits and our personality traits that we're not really aligning with in the way that we're trying to live our lives. Um, and so since 2018, I've, I, we, my husband and I have reconstructed our lives. And actually, interestingly, our income is higher than it's ever been. But we just don't have an asset like we had. But what, 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 was, what, what was that asset giving us, really? It was a dream. Yeah, yeah I, I think with, with myself as well, you know, um, I, I did scale my business at one point and, you know, had the income and I was identifying with the status. I'm not saying, I'm not sure I was particularly happy. I was continually striving, striving, striving. And it wasn't till I was able to let it go, had to let it go. Yeah. The unraveling of, of who I thought I was to 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 get into me wasn't a straightforward easy process Uh, but but it's getting me to a place where i'm yeah re-evaluating what i want out of life and and going back to what you said about you know it doesn't have to be on a grand scale you know it can be you know just focused in on where you think your strengths and weaknesses are you know um, what what you you prefer to feel more comfortable with where where the vibe is that that that, yeah. that gives you a little boost you know and That's so true. so I think staying on that I, I think it's uh, you know really uh, amazing and, and and noble of what you how you've actually transformed from from a large you know the large organisation going through the difficult times that that you did with the traumas. And then come into where you are now because you seem so happy and bright and mm-hmm. vibrant and a lot of and, and positive energy. So, so how did you? How did you kind of? How did that transition from that where you were at that low point? Uh, how how was that transition to where you are now? Uh, that healing process. I mean, what what kind of things did you did you do or 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 was it just a kind of a did it did it kind of evolve um, no i think there was a lot of effort put into it but with a lot more clarity about what was right for me so in 2018 i started to so in 2018 i just stepped away from um that aspirational entrepreneur mindset into actually i am really comfortable with who i am just who I am and it's that's a really interesting subject in its own right and it was there was a few things that catalyzed that for me one of them was I mean I've been really blessed that I am I've always been asked to do a lot of public speaking which is fantastic and I love my public speaking career and that didn't come to an end but actually um, I had got used to entering any room and people knew who I was right and so this will make me sound like I'm a real egotist but it was incredible for the ego. It gave me confidence. If you walk into a room and people know who you are, you can have a lot more confidence. Um, and there was a there was an event early on in 2018 in Bristol, and I was asked to speak at it. But the amount of money they were willing to pay me was a lot less than I'm used to, or I used to command. But I thought, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll, I, I want to do it. It was to small businesses. It was sort of a small business expo, expo. And when I drove down to, it was an awful journey. I live in Farnham in Surrey. I had a terrible journey down the M4 to Bristol. Terrible time going, what's that M something that when you come off the M4 down to Bristol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, really panicked, pouring with rain. Um, couldn't find a car park. Finally found a car park. Lugged my stuff across the car park, soaking wet into this expo room. <laughs> Now, what I was always used to was there would usually be a green room. Somebody would meet me. They would say, oh, Penny, I think there's a thing where it's very good for speakers to be boosted a bit because you're going to have a lot of courage to stand and speak. Mm. So usually I was used to people saying, fantastic, you're here, Penny, you know, giving a cup of coffee. Instead, I found myself queuing with everybody to get a badge. Nobody knowing who I was and then taken um, by somebody in a very unprofessional way to a room that I was going to speak in. and found that in this room there were hardly any people in there and I was used to big audiences there was about 12 people in the room and when I asked to 
just to get some context, does anybody know me? Not one person knew me. And I just, the whole experience was really grounding for me, but it absolutely played to the dark side of me. (laughs) (laughs) That I hadn't realized I had, which was, but surely you know who I am, right? Um, And uh, so I actually sent a little bit of a task and I went off to the loo and I Googled how to get out of the way of your own ego while I was sitting on the loo, just to give myself some, because I was literally in a bit of a frenetic feeling. Um, and I realised what was going on, and I reset my head. It's, this isn't about you, Penny, it's what impact you can have on those 12 people. And that's always been my mantra in life, but for some reason, this transition was really testing that. Um, and we had a really successful, lovely, intimate time, uh, talking with them, helping them. It was almost like group coaching that I did in the end. And on the way home, I rang Thomas from the car and I said, oh, my God, Thomas, I just had the most awful experience. Nobody knew who I was. And Thomas said, isn't that fantastic? <laughs> and that Thomas yeah. to be on the big stage and known mm. by everyone for much longer than me and much deeper than me across the world. And I sort of was a bit pissed off with him when he said it. And I said, oh, you don't understand. Put the phone down. Drove home thinking about it. And actually, within about 48 hours, I thought he was so right. Mm. Because the the strain of trying to keep up an identity absolutely strips you of what you really are and who you want to be and who you can be for the world and the people that are in front of you. And um, I think this whole subject of ego is really interesting. Somebody who you should interview is a brilliant lady called Mary Gregory who wrote a book called Ego. Um, Oh, amazing. Um, she's been one of my clients. She joined our mastermind. She's a fantastic lady. She was a member of Academy. Um, and I've actually hired her to do some webinars for our clients. It's a really interesting subject because we need ego. You know, we, I, I, I love, I read in a book that, you know, you come down, I think it was in a Power of Now or something, but you come down, you're born in spirit. You come from spirit into a human existence. You die in spirit. And then that line across that sort of line that you're going through, you don't want to stay too spiritual and you don't want to go into too much ego. You actually want to find the balanced position in the middle to have a human experience. Because we all know people who are too ego aren't very easy to communicate with. And people who are too spiritual can also be hard to communicate with. If you can find that balance, and that's been a real place for me in my life where and I think balancing ego and our decisions, are, are, are we making decisions based on our ego or are we making our decisions based on impact? And um, I think that was a very catalytic time for me to think, actually, it's always been about impact. When I started Academy, I never knew what it was going to become. It was always about loving and caring for business owners and creating a loving, caring culture. And so how do I create that again? And so we did. Thomas and I started Businesses Personal 100, Bit 100, um, for experts and there's only 100 people in it it's a, that means we can create the intimacy we don't have any fake people in it we can create that true sense of significance and connection that we want to do um, so I think we have to really look inside ourselves before we can start to externalize ourselves. I think that's really important and that's the journey I went on amazing it's an amazing amazing journey and you know most people that have become successful uh, that I read of, uh, they they talk about ego, and and you're exactly yeah. right. It's it's the ego, the ego that wants to keep us safe, the yeah. ego that that kind of wants us to have that that um, edge. But then you're right to 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 balance that with understanding. And I think sometimes the ego really doesn't want us to know who we really are. Yeah, you know, no. it wants wants yeah. us to be who we think other people should, think we should be. Exactly. You know? You're living up to some something that's, yeah, not not really required um, for your own happiness. So, yeah. And I think once you know that and you start to rebuild from that, because it's, it's, it's fascinating talking to you because you're now, you know, this this knowledge, you've niched yourself really into understanding procurement and, and cash flow and and how that can affect profitability and the on timeness of a project that's clearly something you enjoyed about it but you've had this big quantity surveyor you know quite a big reaching brand in that but now i think now is the time for us all to really niche into what really 
gives us joy and where our deepest impact can be. And it will be just a, you know, my deepest impact is helping people build community or be a citizen of a community and know how to mm. be a citizen. That to me is, that that's aligns with me when I was a 10 year old all the way through to when I'm a 110 year old, hopefully. Yeah. You know, it's a fantastic subject community. And I think it's, you know, really coming back. People are searching, particularly with what we've been through the last three years, people are really searching to find their identity and find their identity in a community. Um, I know with, with, with me, when I became, uh, found myself homeless, somebody suggested to me uh, a choir, join a choir. And mm -hmm. I hadn't done that before. And I'd never, never would have dawned on me to join a choir. And it's a choir called The Choir With No Name. And it's a choir that's been set up. It's actually a charity, but it's set up for homeless and marginalized people. And I went along there and I was feeling, I suppose, pretty deflated, pretty down, you know. And I went there and I got such a boost. And yeah. there's people, you know, people there from all sorts of, and it's community. It, I didn't realize at first, but it's actually community. We go there, we sing together, and then we have a meal together afterwards. And there's people from all sorts of walks of life that have maybe hit on hard times, men and women uh, that have maybe been homeless, lived on the streets. Uh, some of the testimonies are, are amazing from people that have been millionaires and now are not, people that maybe have suffered some, uh, some mental health problems or other health problems, people that have been shot, stabbed, you name it, you know. Oh, um, some of them it's they say it's a light you know it's a life save life-saving event to, to to be part of a community and and um i think it is you know you if you you find your own identity and find that within a kind and loving community maybe people that that uh, that share in similar walk of life as you whether it's business or personal or you know you've 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 got some you know uh, maybe uh, you, you, you've, you're suffering homelessness, but you know you can share it together, and I think that carries yeah. the burden, gives you a bit of a boost. You know, it's yeah. lovely, and I think what we all want to know is that our human experience is actually normal. I think you know it's very hard if we don't become part of a community and have real experiences and real conversations we will feel very isolated and think that we're so abnormal that we are we've screwed up somewhere in our lives we will we will you know it's so important to be in a community where you are with normal people who talk normal life and realize that the human experience is a real challenge uh, it can be very beautiful but you know i look out we've got a meadow next to us here and it's flooded at the moment and I look at every day, sometimes there are deer, sometimes there are fox, sometimes there are birds. Sometimes, and I look at them and I think, you know, we are just animals. At the end of the day, I'm watching them, hoping they don't get smashed by a car on the road, you know, hoping they get enough food in, hoping they find shelter tonight. We're all the same. We are all the same. And so our 90 years or however long we have on this earth every single person will have moments when they can't find the food when they can't find the shelter um when they're dodging the car that's going to run them over where it's just an we the human experience is still an animal ex experience isn't it it is yeah but when we yeah. are listening to other people and take time to listen which is a beautiful thing to do for others um it's so calming because we then realize that it's not that we are screwing up on life, that we're just all doing our best and things happen to us. Um, mm. Sometimes they're in our control and sometimes they're not. And at the moment, you know, the world is in turmoil. Um, you know, we've come out of COVID, we've got wars, we've got cost of living crisis. Nobody should be embarrassed at all by the situation they find themselves in, but they do need to have the courage as you've said earlier to connect in with communities whether it's a singing one i i in 2018 walked into our local church for the first time and i walked in i did a post on linkedin about this um and it's actually unbelievable how many how much uh, attention this post has got 
because I explained that I just walked into the church not knowing whether I believed in God, but I only wanted to find love and hope. And I said to the vicar after the first service that I did sitting in there, and I was very emotional at the back of the church, I was crying quite a lot. And he came up to me and he said, what brings you here? And I said, I have no idea whether I believe in God, but I just felt I needed a sense of love and hope around me. And he said, well, I believe God brought you here. So that's up to me to believe that. But you can definitely have as much love and hope as you want. And, and we've Thomas and I love it there. I'm still on a journey to whether I believe in, you know, I watched this incredible congregation. Um, but, you know, that that was my version of you going to the singing community. And, you know, my my desire is to bring true community to the business world. So I suppose we've been through watching social networking, then social media, and now the next true phase should be community. A lot of people are relabeling their networks into community and saying we run a community. But a community doesn't function at a transactional level. It, it functions for the citizens, by the citizens, and enables citizens to love one another and give each other significance. Um, and that's really what we did back in 98 and what we believed in until we had to close in 19, in 2012. And that's what we're bringing back ourselves, but also helping others to achieve it within their businesses. So what would you say the difference between a network and a community is and, and, and how, for example, would you say Facebook or LinkedIn is a network or a community? Well, first of all, I would say that if people belong, if people are in a community, they'll use the phrase, I belong to a community. I belong to it. When they talk about a network, they tend to say, I use a network. So that immediately says one is an emotional word. I, a sense of belonging is a human need. Um, anybody that knows Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the five, five, it's the middle one. After satisfying your physical needs, feeling safety, the next one is a sense of belonging and attachment. Then you get self-esteem and then you get self-actualization. So first of all, you won't, you'll only feel you're in a community if you really have a deep sense of belonging as a citizen of it, where you feel you've got a voice and where you feel people listen to you and where it's not just purely transactional. Networks are great, absolutely fine, but networks tend to be more transactional. People go business networking in order to look for business and fantastic, you know, that's fine. And sometimes that's all that is available to us. That's really all that has been available to us is business networking. Um, However, some people, so there's the BNI network, the Business Network International Network, um, created over 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and they run breakfast networks. And now I know because I've been aligned to them for years. I've done lots of speaking and supporting global conferences and things like that. Um, some of the BNI leaders will treat it like a community because the leadership is there to serve. And you have to have a servant leadership approach to running a community it's not about you it's about the citizens and what they're achieving and getting and definition of achieving can be very wide it can be a sense reducing your sense of loneliness even in a business network i mean i do a a survey regularly on it and over 70 percent of business people say that they are lonely in this survey and i you know i get a good number of people answering it loneliness it, 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 it it's in our lives in many ways, but business loneliness is really huge. Um, and it's not surprising, especially now we've got remote working as well. Because when you're in a community, you get a sense of connection, proper connection. You get a sense of contribu contribution where you can contribute to others and others will contribute to you. And you get a sense of significance. And significance is the, the feeling of being worthy of attention. That's what significance means. Um, when you're in a network, it's very different. It's more about what you do, not who you are. And people will filter based on, is this person going to be useful to me, either as a client or a supplier? They're not really spending the time to deeply open up at a really truthful level with one another and become potentially lifelong friends. I think you're right. And particularly in, in certain circles, particularly in my professional background, sometimes it's just a little bit taboo to, 
to let your emotions or feelings it's all very professional and you have to remain professional and sometimes I think a little bit of authenticity and a little bit of openness even in business as you say we're all human we're all animals if you like we're human beings we've got emotions energy and you know even in a business meeting we're all trying to hide the vibe we're all trying to be very professional but maybe you know there'd be a better connectiveness maybe better outcomes if people were able to be a little bit more open i know when i from my in my position uh, you know i found it very kind of part of my healing process to share um and i'm not quite sure whether people really want to hear it that's the fear you know if i open up and say well i'm in this position i've got here because um you know i might be frightened that people might think they'll well you know he's he's less than because he's he's ended up he's ended up doing that but but i found that sharing it i i did a series of live facebook lives talking about where i was and what i was doing and probably because i was reasonably confident nobody was looking but i started to find out people were looking and but i found it very cathartic really it was part of my healing to you know but also i think keeping myself uh, accountable to myself you know that i'm gonna actually um you know turn the corner and uh, uh and turn this into something positive trying to not label the feeling you know this is a bad thing just try yeah. and feel the energy and what is this what is it you know just observing it and and saying well actually i can push this into something this is actually just energy that i can push into something more positive and that's brilliant yeah that is brilliant it is i think yeah that when you get the opportunity to share and we can do that in many ways you are getting to a point of acceptance about where you are and the opposite of acceptance is resistance. And until you can accept, and so clearly you went through a journey and I went through the journey of just accepting, not, you know, just accepting it's happened. And actually, scientifically, my psychologist told me that really does create quite a big shift in your in the neuro pathways of your brain. Um, it actually moves you from being defined by your past into a lot becoming a memory but not defining you um and i i did this with 16 different things that were defining my every day things that would come up in my every day that were not relevant to my my future and um so i went through what's called emdr um and i went through that sharing with a psychologist was the first step of what you talk about and then and then you shift into acceptance and then when you go past acceptance you're ready to to move forward um but until you are able to talk about it even if it's just with one psychologist or one friend until you're ready to own up to it and talk it through you are resisting and while you're still in resistance you're in denial you can't move forward mm. you just can't move forward until and you're also asking people to accept me for who i am not for what i am and I think we want to do business with people when we know who they are. And so you here with, you haven't lost your skills, your talent at all. What you've enhanced is the who you are massively around that. So when people hire you now, they're getting a really authentic, empathetic experience. It's far more pers- powerful than people putting on a suit and tie and pretending to be successful. Mm. And then we it, it's coming back to the community and the things that you've developed, particularly, you know, the exciting project that the BIP 100 Club, yeah. which, you know, people are in community and it's that business community that they can, you know, they can share in confidence and, and be authentic. Yeah. And, and I think it comes comes back to that, doesn't it? And going back to the what you said that, you know, they can build long lasting, uh, deep relationships and yeah. that's around business um maybe not always no you know how how does that where do you go from you know a, a a community of of professionals and business people uh where is that line uh between that that kind of personal uh relationships and the transactional relationships 
Yeah, you know, because it's kind of finding where that is. It is. I mean, we say um, community first, commerce second, in terms of set of values, and we spend a lot of time talking to people that apply before we actually say, "I think you would enjoy this community. You're right for it, and we're we're right for you," because we want to make sure that this investment is going to give them value. Um, and if there's a mismatch, it's it's, it's just going to be a waste of money. <clears throat> so, effectively, the community is run either on we run it on Slack, where that's an open community where people can talk and ask questions and there's various themes on it. We run it on Zoom, where there's three or four Zooms every week um, with different themes where people come in and talk and share and help each other in different ways. Um, but the most critical part of it is that we've got everybody's profile on an app and, and it's the real culture of having one-to-ones so that when you know and have the courage to say to someone, can I have a one-to-one with you? You know that you're going into a situation where it's going to be community first, commerce second. But ultimately, everybody will talk about their business. But people have got to know each other. And one of our members said, they don't Google it now, they bip it. And so when you create that, you create a nat- very natural marketplace where people will look a bit like no difference to the offline world where I live in a village called Tilford. There's a pub, there's a cricket club, there's a village hall, there's a little primary school, and there's neighbours. And some people won't ever go to the pub. They'll literally knock on each other's doors as neighbours and have each other in for cups of tea or a glass of wine. And they're doing the one-to-ones. Some people will spend every Friday night in the pub and they'll be known in there and they'll be seen in that in that light some people will say we've got a crack cricket field but we haven't got a cricket a cricket club why don't we start one and one of the citizens will create a new idea and we've had that happen where the diary has expanded on what's going on because a member will say i'd like to contribute this to it um thursday night we're going to theater with a load of members because a member has said i'm going to arrange four theater trips this year um that's true community the the commercial start part happens because you get to you're everybody's interested in business everybody's intrigued by i'm very interested in you as a person and now i know that you belong to this singing group and what you've been through but i'm also clocking and tagging the fact that you understand construction cash flow for example that tag sits with people and they just always are looking out for opportunities for each other because it's great when you can pass that connection to someone i mean today i've connected loads of people to loads of people as a speaker I've, you know i've had a conversation with a speaking agency and they've i've said what other types of speakers do you look for and i'm constantly thinking of that community but they're all doing that in the same way in the pub you'll get to know who the plumber is and the roofer is and the gardener is and the accountant is anybody says oh i've got a leak you'll go oh, you need to use mike you know yeah. And, and I suppose from an entrepreneurial perspective, you know, we have certain traits that, are, you know, maybe skills that cross boundaries, you know, that we're, we're, we pull them together and say, well, Mike's good at good at that. And, and Fred and Sharon's good at that. Yeah. You know, why don't we, uh, you know, there's something we can pull together and, exactly. and we can do this. And do some collaborative projects. Definitely. Yeah. We're seeing that in yeah. many, many ways. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Well, it's really lovely speaking to you. Um, do you do you have time for a quick fire round? A quick fire round? Yes, I do. Okay. All right. We'll do a quick fire round. Uh, quick questions uh, around you and a bit of motivation. So the first one: uh, How do you start your day? Um, so at the moment, I'm struggling with a very very broken knee, but I. Um, so I'm not doing as much as I would like to when I first get on the morning, but I am still swimming. So I go to a local pool, an outdoor pool, three times a week and swim um, two kilometres front crawl. When are so, you most productive? When am I most productive? First thing in the morning. I love mornings. I used to do my revision for my A-levels and things at sort of 5, 5.30 in the morning. So I'm very, very alive in the mornings. Evenings, I get very tired. I'm, I like to be in bed by nine. <laughs> What's something new happening in your life right now? 
Uh, well, we got into, um, oh, so right now from a business perspective, I'm writing my book called Community Mindset. So that's that. But we also bought, um, we did decide to get a motorhome. Um, and so that's really a new hobby for us. Um, uh, so that's lovely, going off on, in our motorhome. My next question was going to be, what does adventure look like to you? But I think you may have just answered it. Yeah, yeah. Freedom. <laughs> freedom. Just freedom of the road, yeah. What thing would you love to do that might surprise your friends and family? Uh, what do I love to do? Um, I do love jigsaws. <laughs> <laughs> the cat's out the bag. <laughs> <laughs> I love a jigsaw. I think we've covered the name of change you overcome uh, that changed your life. Mm. Um, if there was one, what would it be? What changed my life? Yeah, a challenge, uh, one challenge that really you overcome that changed your life. Well, yeah, I think I think that was the loss of the business in 2012. Yeah. What or who or what inspires you and motivates you? Well, this will sound very sick, sickly, but definitely my husband and our three adult children. I think the more we can do that reverse mentoring where the young people. So I actually have my daughter is my coach. I meet her twice a month. I pay her just like any other client would. She's helping me to move through from being an achiever to being a performer, you know, in terms of mindset. Um, Thomas, his relentless ability to connect people, his memory really inspires me. Um, my son is a uh, um, one of them is a mental health um, guy, TJ Power on Instagram. He's amazing. He works in neuroscience and he really inspires me. He runs a weekly session on well-being for our members. And my other son is in the blockchain world, but he's really transforming it from a very really community based stuff, which really is inspiring because he understands Web 3.0 very clearly. And what does success mean to you? success means to me is just um that inner peace inner peace which not saying you can get it every day but if i can just be content and grateful for what i have that is success amazing and one last question what advice would you give to your young self don't get an investor <laughs> nice one yeah <laughs> Thank you for that, Penny. Well, it's been absolute amazing having you on. A wonderful conversation. Really interesting. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I've loved every minute. Thank you. You're listening to Construction Cashflow, examining the human side of construction cashflow and business culture.